Come on. Sick of being broke, living paycheck to paycheck, sick of sleepwalking through your days at a job where you're not engaged, check out Money Alignment Academy. It can help you get on track financially and become engaged in your work. The time is now. Moneyalignmentacademy.com. Bill, are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grumbacher. Bill Catlett is the managing partner of Contented Cow Partners. He is a coach. He is a speaker. He is an author, amongst many, many other things. I'm excited to have you on. Bill, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Okay. My uh, personal life is pretty simple and straightforward. I mean, some, my wife included, might call it boring, but uh, born and raised in Appalachia. I went to school at the U. And now there's a system shot for you. A teenage kid go, goes from the backwoods of West Virginia to Miami. Gets introduced to beaches, babes, and booze all in the first week. Um, somehow I survived and, and even graduated with a, with a business degree. Uh, today I, I proudly answer to, to Hey Boomer. Mm. Uh, I've got a wife of 47 years. Uh, two, we've got two adult offspring who we're immensely proud of, and and a bunch of grandkids. Well, congratulations on all home, that. I've, oh, thanks. It's you know, uh, and I wouldn't have made it w- without her. In fact, uh, she coughed up the last eight hundred bucks for me to pay tuition at the University of Miami when I just uh, you know trying to be a graduating senior didn't <laughs> have the money. So it's it's worked for a long time. Outside the home, I've I've got a serious addiction to fly fishing that when it gets dead, uh, which is not often enough, that that happens in the Florida Keys, somewhere else in the Gulf of Mexico or the mountains of Utah. Um, On a more serious note, I'm a board member and chief ankle biter for the National Foundation for Transplants. Hmm. And if you'll tolerate a 20-second advert here, our nation has remarkably skilled transplant docs and teams. Um, But unlike with cancer, We've solved the riddle with transplants, but sadly, 20 Americans die daily awaiting a transplant, either due to a shortage of organs or a shortage of money to pay for the cost of travel to and from the transplant site, anti-rejection meds, which they have to take for life and, and stuff like that. And, and in other words, these deaths are totally preventable. So let's let's start with, with one thing every one of us can do. If we would accept an organ donation, if something, God forbid, happened to us, car wreck, bad genes, whatever. Why wouldn't we sign up to be an organ donor when our time is up? I mean, we can't take them with us. And if we would all do that, the majority of this problem goes away. Hmm. End of rant. Um, professionally, I'm a, as you mentioned, I'm a coach, speaker, business author, and board member. And I focus specifically on helping leaders level up and, and compete via better leadership skills and habits. We work chiefly in labor-intensive industries like healthcare, financial services, uh, hospitality. Our trade craft, is, as you mentioned, is, is coaching, speaking, books, and seminars. And I guess, if anything, we're perhaps best known for uh, our first book entitled Contented Cows Give Better Milk. Um, we wrote it about 21 years ago, and uh, it's AKA Treat People Right, Make More Money. Oddly enough, when we were doing the, the book and 
the publisher came to me towards the tail end of the process and he said, look, you're going to, I think, need to retitle the book. I said, why is that? He said, well, Carnation Foods, now owned by Nestle, has for like 80 years at the time on the side of their cans condensed milk, the expression from contented cows. <laughs> That's trademark. And uh, you can't use it without their permission. So I, I said, you got to tell us, let's change the title. I said, we can't change the title. It's playfully woven all the way through the book. Mm-hmm. It's a look sport. You don't have the money to fight with Nestle, and I'm not going to jail for you. <laughs> so I sulked for a couple of weeks and finally picked up the phone and, and called uh, the headquarters in Nestle USA in, in Southern California, talked to the CEO's assistant. She said, you know what? She said, he's here today. Um, send me a letter, fax me a letter that tells me what you just said. I can at least make sure he gets it. And it'll be top of his mail basket, face up. I did. She did. A couple weeks later, the phone rings. I'm talking to some SVP of Nestle. He said, look, I've got to make sure that you're who you say you are doing what you say you're doing. Send us the manuscript. Sure. Send it to him. A couple weeks more passed. Phone call and a letter both arriving pretty much the same day from Nestle that said, look, good luck, Godspeed, have fun with it, no money, no lawyers, nice. no nothing. <laughs> and if that doesn't restore your faith in, you know, in, in human God, I don't know what does. Yeah, um, it's also a reminder that you just need to ask sometimes, yeah. right? <laughs> That's, yeah, I mean, per- persistence is, is worth something. Um, and, you know, what's, what's funny is that in every single speech and seminar that we've done over the last 21 years, uh, we being my partner, Richard Haddon, and, and myself, we, we've told this story and, and, and publicly thanked Nestle and had been doing that for about a year and a half. I come back from a, uh, an engagement. I've got a voicemail from some SVP at Nestle. I thought, oh, God, who do we <laughs> aggravate? And uh, turns out I was their chief information officer. She'd pick up the book in an airport bookstore, read it, liked it, and wanted to hire one of us to speak for, for a meeting. I'm like, how nice. good does this get? <laughs> that's awesome so you talked about leveling up um yeah. what's 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 the risk if 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 a leader just kind of stays with their status quo i i don't i don't see any way that we can do that as fast as, as things are moving today as fast as the workforce is changing particularly when we have a, a very tight labor market that doesn't work. I mean, it just doesn't. And, and oh, by the way, it, it, if all of us stay right where we are, we're not in a very good spot anyhow. Mm-hmm. We, we've got a critical shortage of, of good leadership in, in this country. And we're paying the price for it. You know, a lot of us are, you know, see the stock market rocking and rolling and we say, oh, geez, things are, things are really good. Well, that, that is good. But when you start digging into some of the numbers beneath that, that's not always the case. One of the things that I rail at pretty often is the, the level of productivity growth in, in this country, and due in large part to the fact that we have a relatively disengaged workforce, resulting from leadership that's not entirely where it needs to be. So we, we can ill afford to, to stay where we are. Um, we've got to be on the hunt for, for better leaders. Um, not long ago, I was doing a... Uh, uh, guest lecture for a couple of university classes, bus- business school classes, and there were about 80 students in the room. And uh, first thing out of the shoot, I, I asked them, you know, how many of you either are in a leadership role or aspire to one? 
and all 80 hands went or 80 hands went up in the air. Right. And I said, you know, that's, that's great. I mean, we, we, we need people to become leaders and become good ones, but some of you need to put your hands back down. At which point the two professors sitting in the back woke up and <laughs> I did a really icy stare. I said, look, you know, let's tell the truth here. Not all of us are cut out to be a university professor, an NBA player, or a FedEx courier. Uh, leadership is the same way. And not all of us are, you know, come equipped with some of the things that, that are pretty unteachable for, for becoming better leaders. So there needs to be some self some selective process there. But for the rest of us, we've also got to do a much better job of sharpening our axe along the way because uh, we're, we're a step or two behind. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And you know what, Bill? I don't know if life is moving faster than it used to, but it does. It definitely does feel that way. Um, so, so how do you advocate that that people do this? You know, George, it's interesting. I, I get the chance to work every week with with leaders at all levels of the spectrum, and um, you know, to include people who are in the first one or two levels of, of leadership and in organizations. Uh, people, by the way, who have the, the hardest jobs anywhere because they're not senior enough to to call a timeout. Mm. They've got pressure from above and below. Mm-hmm. They have been given the the the, the best. Uh, leadership education. Maybe we haven't fully vetted them, um, but there's some some simple things that, with a lot of them, we try to try to work on to to, to level them up a, a bit. Because you look at the things that that cause an awful lot of us to to implode as, as leaders. One is we're we're not very good masters in our own time and priorities, and they they go through. Their, their business day as if they're drinking through a fire hose all day long. It's mm-hmm. all incoming and there's not a lot of consideration for what is what it is I need to get done today vis-a-vis my people or my professional responsibilities. So most of us could stand to, to work in that direction. How can I be a bit more intentional in, in, in my, my work life? Two, we need to, to have the courage to, to say no. I mean, in an awful lot of cases, being a leader is about saying no. No, that's not good enough. No, we're not going there. No, we, we're not going to put that on, on my plate because if we do, something else is going to have to come off. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you can't keep doing that and, and work here, which is probably what the NFL should have told that, that Cleveland Browns player. Mm recently who ripped a, an opponent's helmet off and then beat him with it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's hard, but we've, we've got to have the, the, the courage, the tenacity oftentimes to, to, to say no, even, even to ourselves, to, to deny some of our own feelings when, when we get worked up about something and realize that maybe the workplace isn't the best place to, to vent that. Yeah. I think that those are, those are so important. Um, and being able to, I mean, how, how important, well, I think it's kind of a dumb question. I, let me take a step back. I, I, I saw on your LinkedIn profile that you have listed your, your hits and your misses. And that struck yep. me as, as pretty cool because you talk about, Hey, you're publicizing. These are things I messed up on. <laughs> and so if, if, <laughs> if, 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 if we can be good masters of, of, 
hey, you know what, I feel like I wasted a lot of time or I'm taking too much on. And I, I guess seeing our blind spots, that's that's probably key to all this. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, yeah, I, I, I've looked. I've, I've not seen anybody else who puts their misses, their mistakes on their LinkedIn right. page. Um, I, I do it, frankly, as a coach. And, and something that I talk with prospective coaching clients about is you know, the difference between me and you in, in a lot of cases is, I've been around the block a few more times and I've screwed up more stuff. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's learn from that. You, you don't have to get the, the same scars that, that, that I've gotten. Um, and and some, you know, some of that emanates from my job at, at FedEx. Uh, the guy who hired me was a, a, a blunt talking former FBI agent, supervising agent, uh, from New York, no less. And, um, before, before I started, I'd already agreed to, to take the job and I'd given notice at my, my then present job. And, and he called me up one day and he says, I, I forgot to tell you something that I'd like to be able to tell you in person. Would you be willing to, to fly down here to, to Memphis and have one more chat with him? That's kind of strange, but like, what are you going to say? No. Right. And uh, so I, so I did. And, and going to his office, he says, look, it's, I'm, I'm going to keep this real simple because we've got a lot of stuff going on here. I mean, the company's been growing about 75% a year. Um, and you're going to be involved in a lot of stuff. And you're going to make a lot of mistakes. In fact, if, if you're not making lots of mistakes on a regular basis, you're just not moving fast enough. But to me, there's two kinds of mistakes. There's the ones you make up here, and he pointed to, to his head. I expect you to make those all day long. I mean, please don't repeat them, but make them. <laughs> he said, then there's the ones you make down here, and he pointed to his heart. He said, the first one of those is going to get you gone. Any <laughs> questions? I said, no, sir. He said, okay, going back to New York for Donald's in a week. <laughs> so that, that to me was, was permission to, you know, to go out, try stuff, make, make some decisions, learn from them, uh, and, and keep moving. I think that that we would do well in, in today's workspace to, to to bring a little bit more of that into play because there's there's too many people walking around, you know, in fear of what if, what if I make a mistake, to yeah. include a lot of supervisors and managers. And dang, if, if we didn't put them in the, the job for their judgment, what did we put them there for? That's, 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 that's 100% right. So he was saying... It's it's okay if 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 you make technical technical mistakes, but if your heart is not in the right place, if you're not bringing forth the right effort, is 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 that what I'm reading? I, I think it was George. It was more of if you're doing something that that you know isn't the right thing to mm. do. You know, and that, that was his message to me, and a message that I've tried to to translate that to people in my team all along is that. You know, I will back you up on it. If, if you're doing what you genuinely believe to be the right thing and you're behaving lawfully, I, I've got your back. And, and, and getting your back means a lot sometimes. And, and I've had to go to the corporate woodshed and, and bleed to, to prove that at times. But if you're not doing what you believe is the, is the right thing, that's probably going to be your ticket out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that that certainly makes sense. So, is there a way to to self assess the wrong way? I'm thinking I don't want to be too critical on myself. How, so, how do you how do you strike that balance? 
Um, I'd like to ask really big open-ended questions, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, early in the morning. Yes. uh, I don't have a a psych degree. You you know, George, to to me, I'll just tell you what, what works for me is, I think most of us, by the time we're about six or seven years old, know the difference between right and wrong. Now, some of us, we, we, we occasionally lose it. But we've got a pretty good idea. We, we, we know the difference between our stuff and somebody else's stuff. We know the difference between being kind and being mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've got to be grounded in that. And uh, frankly, that's, that's something we ought to be looking for when we're, we're hiring somebody for a leadership role. Do they have a good sense of, of right and wrong and who they are? Do they, do they have, do they display the courage to act on that no matter what? And I think that, that I, I think that that's a hundred percent correct. And something that as I'm listening, I'm, I'm thinking about people that I've known over the years that, that it's pretty clear that they never really developed that sense of right or wrong. And so, yes, being able to, to recognize that is so important. So I, I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I also wanted to ask you one more thing. I, I saw that, uh, that one of your mantras was work is contractual effort is personal. I wanted to, to, to hear yeah. more about that. Yeah. I, I believe that very strongly. Um, we, we, we all realize that, that, that you can come to work in an awful lot of jobs, probably most jobs, and maybe not every day, but pretty much on a daily basis. I mean, you, you get to choose how much effort you put into things. And here again, if you, if you look at the productivity growth stats for the U.S. over a long period of time, look at the last 20 years, you'll see that we've got a, a lot of folks who are, you know, powered back 10, 20%. And there's probably a good reason for that in, in each and every one of their, their cases. But then there's also people who, you know, at their own initiative, go full throttle. And it makes such a huge difference. And the, the trick for us is to, to, to find the right mix of what, what causes that in, in each and every person. What gets them focused what gets them fired up in some cases and this sounds crazy but in some cases it's it's information and you know you look around we've got more communications gear and doodads and and modes and methods than ever but we do a poor job of of making meaning with with other people one thing i i do oftentimes with with senior leaders you get the c-suite of an organization in a room well I would say everybody take out a, a sheet of paper. I said, I want you to write down your or, your organization's top three priorities. Just three. Everybody makes their list. I gather them all up, walk over to the CEO, and I put them in front of him. It's usually him. Face down. So I'll bet you 500 bucks these are not all the same. <laughs> no one has ever taken that bet. They didn't get to where they are by being an idiot. But my goodness, if, if, if the top 10 or 12 people in this company don't know what the heck the top three priorities are, how can the 4,000 people who, who aren't in this room who work for you possibly figure it out? We've got to, we've got to get a lot better at, at making meaning 
because people who 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 lack information can't take responsibility. Mm-hmm. People who have that information can't help but take responsibility. That, is, that to me is one of the, the first first keys to to discretionary effort is is share the information. Discretionary effort. That is a great term. I love it. Well, Bill, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? ContentedCows.com. ContentedCows.com. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Bill your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to ContentedCows.com. Check out all the great stuff that Bill's got on the site. Thank you again, Bill. My pleasure. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.